John Lewis and Partners offer quality, value and sustainable home collections all in one place. If you are an interior designer and want to hear about the exclusive trade terms available from John Lewis and Partners Business, email business at johnlewis.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Interior Design Business, the monthly podcast produced by the interior design community for the interior design community. We're recording this episode in the Peter Jones store on Sloan Square and we're joined by an expert panel to take a look at how life at home is evolving and the impact of these changes on interior designers. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm here with my co-presenter Susie Rumbold, Creative Director of Tasuta Interiors, to look at the data and find out some answers. 2020 was the year that brought our homes and the way we use them into sharp focus. Stuck inside while the pandemic raged, we were all forced to find space at home to work, play and to carry out activities that would have previously been done elsewhere. But the pandemic also forced us to acknowledge our vulnerability and recognise the importance of mental health and wellness in our lives. We have needed our homes to nurture and cocoon us throughout this period as never before. For residential interior designers, all this domestic churn has created real challenges as they try to advise their clients on future home trends and accurately interpret their needs. But was 2020 really the year that changed everything or were these lifestyle changes already taking place? Will these changes be a permanent feature of our future lives? And how can interior designers determine what advice to offer their clients? Welcome to the interior design business. To help us search for the answers to these questions, we are joined today by Suzanne Knight, Partner and Sales Manager Property at John Lewis & Partners, Sarah O'Sullivan from the Trend Team at John Lewis & Partners, and Verity Coleman, Residential Interior Designer and Founder of Design Practice Rascal & Roses. Welcome all three of you. Hi Hi, Jeff. Before we begin, can you just briefly introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Suzanne Knight. I um, work as part of the John Lewis and Partners business team and I'm responsible for all interior designers that purchase from us where we offer trade terms on our home collections. And um, yeah, I'm Sarah and I work in the Future Trend team within the home design product design team in John Lewis and we um, work very closely with all the product designers and setting the direction for all of own brand development. Hello, yep, I'm Verity Coleman and I am founding director of Rascal and Roses. We're a small uh, residential interior design studio. Um, I actually entered interior design as a second career. My first career was as an army officer. And uh, we have been, <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, running Rascal and Roses now since 2013. Uh, we specialise really in residential, but we also in the last three years have moved into slightly commercial but it's split against commercial and residential which is schools design so boarding houses common rooms and generally schools from prep school all the way up to 18 year olds so um in terms of specifying an ffne it's quite an interesting one because it kind of is a hybrid between residential and commercial so yeah that's uh, a bit about me the john lewis partnership must have access to some of the most remarkable sales data about what people in the uk are buying for their homes can you Perhaps start by giving us a feel for the scale of the data you have access to? Uh, Yes, sure. We do have a great resource uh, in the data we hold across the business. And um, yeah, really, I mean, it's amazing what we can see and how quickly we get um, information about 
sort of changing, shifting lifestyle habits um, through what our customers are purchasing. And our PR team actually creates a uh, report each year, kind of summarizing the big shifts that are happening across um, what, what all the customers are sort of buying. So that's always a really fascinating read. Just as a, as a sort of side question, how do you go about working out what's white noise in that and what's a genuine, emer genuine emerging trend? Just I had a retail background myself, so obviously this was forecasting was something I used to do rather a lot of. Yeah, so I think this is something they work really closely with the buying teams on, and I think a lot of that comes down to sort of looking year on year, sales growth, trying to look at... Um, yeah, it's really, that comes down to the sales analysis with buying, I think, really. The experts in certain categories. Seeing the underlying trends yeah. rather than just blips. Yeah, and can really sort of translate what the sales kind of mean, really, in relation. And I think, I think also with regards to our customers, so our interior designers um, purchasing through John Lewis and Partners business, we've got a close relationship and, you know, especially last year, we're in quite a continual dialogue. So sort of really understanding the nature of the projects. We had actually quite a number of interior designers as well as our consumers um, revisiting past projects where they were helping then extend, you know, the home to the investment in outdoor living. So it was just interesting to hear some of that storytelling and insight. So the designers had done the project once already but now they were going back to yeah. make those necessary changes to, to further accommodate yes. that family. Yeah. Interesting, Absolutely. very interesting. Yeah. And how does this work in allowing you to spot emerging trends and forecasting future spending patterns? Well, uh, the, the customer is always um, at the heart of the decision making, especially for us in the design studio, um, designing all the new product uh, each season. So, I mean, it, it's sort of a mix too of looking at the sales and looking at our success at, the, at that given time, but also really casting our minds forward and trying to anticipate what customers will be wanting um, 18 months, two years from now. Um, especially in home, we have quite long product lead times with developing products, certainly with furniture. So it is really about having sort of our eye on what's selling in, in the present, but also really thinking about what people will be wanting two years in two years' time. It is interesting to have a look at that sort of time frame. You know, you know, John Lewis partnership has been around for 150 years. You know, so we do know a thing or two about furnishing people's homes because that's the duration that that's been effectively, you know, going on. So we've got all of that rich data to look back on. We actually have our own heritage centre um, based in Cookham, just outside Windsor, that has just, uh, you know, just got a fountain of different um, archives, mainly sort of textile prints, including one dating back to being from the Titanic. Um, and you know, we actually hold CPD sessions there for um, many of our interior design networks, including the BID. So we're looking forward to hopefully resuming them. Um, so we have got this rich of information to look back on, but then it, many partners, including Sarah um, and other you know, partners that are focusing on that innovation and looking forward. Um, and yes, looking at trends that are playing out now, but potentially what the, what the next trends are and how we can start that planning so that we're well prepared. Um, it's, it's quite interesting in hindsight to um, you know, look back at last year um, because before that, when the shift from working from home, you know, that, um, those buying teams and the design teams really lent into that product assortment. So we were really well equipped to have these beautiful desks to be able to offer when people were you know, looking at that home office. Um, and that's definitely been a, a key uptake yeah. from our interior design community. Yeah, it's interesting. 
because I can see from the trend forecast perspective and using sales data and everything else that you can identify, you know, trends in color, things, exact um, findings, but presumably you then have to work beyond that to kind of lifestyle changes as a whole, like for example, the working from home. That's not just about desks, is it? That's also predicting how people use their spaces as well as just what's going in it, which from an interior design perspective is, is pretty much what we're about, isn't it? It's not just people think what we do is buy things and pick paint colors, but actually we're looking at how people use space and that's, you know, that's the yeah. fundamental yeah. exactly of what interior design is. Absolutely, so. and I think it's interesting when we talk about trend, you know, it's obviously not a new concept, but you know, we talk about trend initially as like the aesthetics and yeah. especially as a retailer, like the new trends for each season, but now it is very much about sort of the way we live trends and how yeah. they're coming into play. And, and, and obviously with, with regards to that, that's very much, you know, evolving. Um, Mm. Yeah, I was I was particularly fascinated to learn that you've actually got a future trend team within the home design studio. I thought that was just amazing. Um, can you tell us how the team influences the product design? Yes, yeah. So I, I'm in the future trend team. So um, what we do each season, we really, I mean, we're sort of the, the start of the research journey for the studio. And we kind of gather lots of information around macro trends, lifestyle trends. Um, we always connect with our customer insight team and really sort of try and rationalize uh, that information and really get to the heart of what you know, we think our customers will be That's wanting nice. and needing. That's and nice. yeah, I mean, on top of that, alongside that, I should say, comes all of the aesthetic and um, color and material and finish type research. But quite often, really, that connects back to you know, the lifestyle trends mm. as well. So it's all a big sort of holistic view of, of what we think, getting, really getting to the mindset of what the customers will be wanting. So pre-pandemic, what did your data tell you about how we were living? I think one of the main um, the main sort of um, subjects is around the challenge around housing affordability, um, and there's sort of two different angles to take that. One with regards to the challenging of the size of our homes and making them work a lot harder, um, and then also with regards to the balance of your decision to be a homeowner or look at rental um, as an option as well. Um, and rental does offer so much more possibility and builds into the agility of people's lives. Um, and for this reason, there's been lots of investment in the build to rent market to give residents um, in the UK much more choice um, with a real focus on service and very much drawn out of the hospitality sector um, and in addition many build to rent operators have a real commitment to how interiors are furnished which is really exciting. So you guys do all the furniture for the big development at Wembley don't you? Yes. yes. What are your criteria then for, for supplying or selecting the furniture that you do? So normally um, well <laughs> The bottom line is that there's no one set rule. It depends on the developer. Sometimes they have very stringent, this is our brief, and they have you know, a head of interiors. Um, and then other times it's a little bit more flexible where we have a bit more of a collaboration with regards to, free, especially when we've got a store nearby, because we know our residents around there. And then if they're, you know, we've got, yes. so that's yeah, where there's that a helps. real great opportunity to sort of, you know, uh, collaborations is all, I think is always a, a really mm. great sweet spot. In 
in lots of different projects, but especially that. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah absolutely. And I think when it comes to um, you know looking at an interior proposal that's not for a specific customer, as like yours would be, you know, yeah. one of the tools that we've utilised really well is actually do customer profiling. Um, so we will create an imaginary resident um, with lots of details about sort of you know where they come from, you know what their you know amazing. who they're in relationship with, um, where all these different <laughs> things which. I absolutely love it. It's one of the best. That's amazing. That, um, yeah. And then, and then we unpick an interior from that. Fantastic. Yeah. And then you nice. does that then allow you to predict where that customer might be in three or four years' time? So that again, you're future proofing it. Well, I think more the future proofing it is actually where our you know our um, buyers and merchandisers come into play because in regards to our product assortment, it's very and what we're sort of focusing on is much more about investing in furnishing that's going to um, going to last and evolve, um, and you know sustainability is a real it's it's always been a really key priority for us, but now more than ever like we're like pip. Yeah. who's our head of design is absolutely challenging you know all partners that work on our home collections and obviously in other areas um so with regards to that it's more about how that you know will evolve and meet those changing needs whether you are single and then become in a relationship and then yeah. decide to start Taking a family and absolutely yeah. lifelong yeah. rather than just you're yeah. currently in rental therefore have this yeah. with a view of getting rid of it Mm -hmm. it, at the next stepping stone, yeah, which so, is the um, best way, isn't it? To yeah, so made, think, made to last is what we that's say. Our, yeah, yeah, that's our yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so another key theme from the research uh, was the changing structure of the family. Yes. What did you guys find out about that? What What did the research say? Well, the, the, I think with regards to our customers and definitely, you know, the concept of family, then yeah. that does... Pretty broad. You know, yes, <laughs> it plays out in a multitude of ways. And I think, you know, one of the areas that we've talked about sort of quite more so in the um, recent years is around multi-generational living. Yeah, um, And yeah. I think that's, I think that's probably been tested quite a, quite a bit last year yeah. um, with regards as to how you know a home can really serve all of its residents across a number of different generations um, especially when we are then you know, as last year needing to evolve into an office space and a school and still be like a welcome space you yeah know, we've for... seen it quite a lot more and more in the last I'd say probably three to four years mm -hmm. with you know the idea of the granny annex but it's not quite gonna fit that you just put granny in a Converter garage on the end. Granny's not going to have that anymore. She wouldn't. No, anyway. Granny, rightly so. Rightly so. And Granny's probably bringing quite a lot to the table in terms of yeah. you know, planning and the building and everything else. Well, and so actually, we're almost running like double builds on the same site. Yes. So we might be doing the interior design for the main family home, but the annex has tended to grow. Where you're not so, in London, of course. That's there's not that's not as big not a trend in yet. London because people struggle absolutely with space. Yes. But and where we are, you know, the more under rurally, the pavement, it's not going to happen. Exactly, more rural <coughs> where we are, we've got the space to do it, and people are, you know, you're ending up essentially with two houses. But it's multi generational living, and yes. so it's almost like the main house is is the the parents, and then you've got the teenagers who are kind of straddling both sides, mm. and then the 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 grandparents are in the newer house yeah. and it's all got to be designed to work together. And, you know, it, it's definitely a newer concept, I think, to be really fully, this is the new family unit and they would, you know, they, they are one family, mm -hmm. but living 
independently. And I think it's interesting when I talk about <coughs> multi-generational living, my, my, you know, I naturally, my headspace goes to sort of, you know, younger children, parents, yeah. grandparents. But actually, when you think about that sort of family setup, perhaps another 15 years on, when the children, so to speak, are actually starting their first jobs. Yeah, a they're, lot of them are coming home. They're right? working from yeah, home. Massively. And the parents are working from and home. And they've moved out yeah, come back. and come back. Yeah. And that's another layer of complexity mm -hmm. so, in terms of hardworking houses yes. and space and yeah. Yeah, opinions on interiors. <laughs> A lot of stakeholders, I think we call it. <laughs> so were there any other main changes that you found from the research that were going on in people's houses? I think technology has definitely been something that has been evolving probably over the last five years or so. You know, we've all got sort of different bits of smart technology, whether that's helping around security, obviously, you know, taking advantage of that for entertainment. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to be evolving more so over the coming years, um, especially as we're leaning more and really into embracing our outdoor spaces and how that may play out, whether that is entertainment or, or just making sure that actually we really are utilizing our outdoor space right the way through the year which we're which we've definitely seen you know more so um, in the past 12 months so I think that's definitely one of the one of the key areas um, and again you know with regards to the well-being and health um, we have seen you know people throughout the pandemic you know lean into um, having their home gyms um, and perhaps where we in the past would have um, let's say discreetly put um, you know exercise equipment you know under the stairs where now people are proudly having their multicolored kettle bells you know in their living area and actually the design of that equipment is definitely evolving almost as this interior prop um yeah it's a whole space in itself isn't it mm -hmm. Squeeze that yeah. and shoehorn that into yeah. more. So we were talking about play, you know, our homes working for ourselves. So it's about home offices, potentially multiple home offices, as well as you know the gym equipment, whether it's the you know the relaxation, the yoga. So so it is just about this how we can you know have, especially when we map that into open plan living, but then having these zonings for different areas. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot going on there. <laughs> Do you think that products we might have seen before the pandemic as being purely functional, that there's now a lot more emphasis on the design and form of those products and how they fit into the interior? Yeah, I mean, I think so. One of the insights that came out from last year looking at sales um, was um, some of our sideboards had a huge uptick in sales. and. The thinking behind that was that actually people weren't um, using sort of TV cabinet uh, units anymore and that people really wanted more storage um, for their living spaces. So, so the thinking was that because people are schooling, um, doing sort of playing activities, gym activities, all in that living space, um, these sideboards were now sort of acting as this storage for all of these different... But with the television yeah. sitting on yeah, top. Yeah, with the TV yeah. on top. Yeah. So that's sort of one quite functional impact to product, I think. Certainly, I mean, furniture as... Uh, I think we see these sort of trends playing out very much um, with furniture sales as well. The other thing we're sort of looking into at the moment is sort of modular sofas as well, because we feel like there's just a real demand and need for sort of more flexibility within the product as well. So I think flexibility is the key, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, if you're designing something for a family of six, but then at any one time, four of them need to be doing something differently. 
you've either got yeah. four different sitting rooms or you've got to find a way to make one work. But also, yeah. it, it, it must automatically therefore make it more sustainable an option because if you've got a sofa that yeah. you can take to bits it means you can take it from exactly. your student home mm -hmm. to your next home to your next home and maybe buy, buy another, another piece bit. to bolt exactly. on yeah. if you have that extra baby or granny <laughs> yeah. comes to yeah, stay exactly. or whatever the situation may be yeah. Yeah. so that's got yeah. to be that's got to be the way forward Absolutely. And I think it is interesting to see how, you know, different products or different um, different house builders are very much sort of playing into that. You know, there's one house builder that, um, you know, creates the homes, but then literally two years later, you can buy an additional wall to actually carve the top floor into two bedrooms, you know, the master oh, wow. bedroom and a nursery. So, you know, I think it's, you know, mm -hmm. I think there's lots of different things that are coming into play and it is going to be interesting to sort of see what that looks like in five years time once that sort of investment and insights mm -hmm. gone into it. I think when, you know, as, you know, um, we were saying with regards to the TV units, there's, you know, other products such as like dressing tables where people are having to, you know, adapt that as their workstation as well. Um, mm -hmm. And also when we're talking about that beautifully designed product, you know, around this Instagram worthy desk, you know, that, you know, you know, really having you know, the colours come into play and the finishes and yes, it's functional, but it's, you know, a beautiful object as well and very much, you know, a welcome piece of mm -hmm. furniture. And I think consumers are just more aware that they they do want something to last them mm. through all those different stages as well, more than they used to be. You used to be able yes. to persuade a client they needed to invest because it needed to last them, but that was, you know, an additional point you had to make to them rather than, I like the look of that. But I think now more, you know, from the off, they want something that's going to last or something yeah. that's functional. Something else that's just occurred to me too is that if we are letting people into our homes digitally because we're attending things like Zoom meetings, yeah. people are seeing into parts of our houses that, that we perhaps they have oh, never absolutely. seen into yeah. before. Yeah. And so suddenly that kind of messy old chest of drawers in the corner that was fine For you. when nobody ever yeah. went into the bedroom suddenly just won't cut the mustard if it's yeah. the backdrop to your Zoom course. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so we've seen shelving as well become hugely pop and hugely popular. And in particular, things like our string ranges, quite fashionable, stylish yes. shel shelving solutions. <laughs> Yeah, I know them. that are gorgeous, but um, you know, are a really nice zoom backdrop. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think it, it, I think it's it's quite curious to see how pieces like that have evolved, you know, where, um, you know, in past years, it might have been, you know, we we're talking about storage, which absolutely is a key priority, but it was very much behind closed doors, where now people want to be, you know, showcasing what is behind there as like a form of expression, you know, you we've have got to have your shelf of brag books to show how erudite you are. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, picking out your best ones, really, you yeah. know, how do, how, how, you know, what, what are these, they're, like, they're just like props, aren't they, yeah. really? I haven't read any of yeah. them, but yeah. Looks impressive. Yeah, looks yeah. Looks so it's a it's a form of expression, you know, beyond your choice of Clothes, you know, colour palette. Shoes, clo yeah. 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 Well, it means that yeah. some of those private spaces in the home are becoming public spaces. Mm. Interior design has two main threads: how interior spaces work and how they look. So, how were usage patterns within the home changing before the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, definitely we've seen um, through some of the insight that's come from our home stylists, because um, they were doing virtual appointments with customers from about April last year. And um, th that service had a huge uptick. Um, and one of the one of the big sort of themes that came from them was that people were wanting to redesign their living spaces. Obviously, this is the area of the house that has sort of seen the most... Um, it's you know it needs to be hard wearing and versatile now it's got to adapt to all of these different changes 
so certainly the need for zoning and dividing up the space has become more important to people and um, sort of through doing that through sort of different, um, either having rugs and sort of furniture to break up the space. What we're doing now is that in the studio, we're thinking about um, sort of room dividers, things screens. like that, screens. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, um, so it's sort of, yeah, really trying to investigate how we can help customers do that. Because yes. we think moving forward, that's gonna continue to be really important. Yeah, so essentially, yeah, you, you look at the trends and what they're doing, yeah. and then you predict out then, for example, screens, yeah. you know, would they have well, been something this, on the this list is, before? This is the, way, this is the way people are living. What are they going to need to make that possible? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, and that's how it feeds, presumably, absolutely, the yeah. line of development. It's, it, it does it's yeah, informs. We try and sort of really bring all of this sort of research into our product development, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I start researching 18 months before something might end up in store. Yeah. yeah, and then with regards to the buyers, then that's sort of like more of the twelve months once they're yeah. committed exactly. to once that. They, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we get the first glimpses twelve yeah. months. So, so for example, you know, our Christmas decorations, we get to start to actually see yeah. a whole year. Christmas just closed, and we get a peek of the next, next Christmas. Next so, Christmas. yep, a whole, yep, pretty much a whole yeah, year. Yeah, it's out. long. Isn't it? <laughs> Amazing. Open plan living was a big trend before the pandemic. So, Verity. How are clients now saying to you, before I wanted open plan and now I want zonal? People are not very keen on open plan anymore and there are a lot of people with very large open plan houses who are almost going back to, to rebuilding. Chopping them up into rooms, yeah. Yeah, because it's just too much. <laughs> Essentially, I mean, families, um, a lot of um, our clients have you know, children at home still, so they did a lot of homeschooling. Usually both parents are working as well. They manage a certain amount before the pandemic of working from home, working around their children. You know, that was the normal for them. But that is very different to being in your home 24 hours a day with two children potentially on laptops or having to work with people on conference calls as well. So we are just in all. I, I don't think I've got one example of anyone who said, yeah, we're going to keep the open plan. We love it. We love it. We'd like it more open. No one's saying that. Everyone either wants smaller rooms or they want very distinctly separated areas that people can go into. And in some cases, that's almost moving out of that central open plan area. And people are happy to make an office in a cupboard so that they're out of the general melee of... And then also, if, if we're all in our homes or we have been in our homes for the last 12 months, are our houses wearing out? I mean, I know I've, my house has taken one hell of a beating mm. in the last 12 months and I can really see wear and tear. So are you focusing on the durability of, and again, I suppose this yeah. leads back into sustainability as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. We've definitely had a bit more of an, um, an uptake in interest around sort of carpets because that very much, you know, with regards to the traffic, then um, that's increased quite considerably. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think across all of the other products, then I think that's perhaps us more setting the standards. And that's nothing new, you know, quality is something that we've really, you know, always been known for and is one of our priorities. So when we're looking at different fabrics, you know, there's like a, a rub test and different mm. standards and often you know the quality of ours well exceeds what is acceptable um, equally you know there's different you know bits of technology such as um, an aquaclean which is like a treatment on upholstery so that it's a much more efficient cleaning with water rather than having to remove covers and get them dry cleaned and 
try and And I think maybe all those what would be considered as an extra before yes, are now quite essential. easy yes. to persuade a client. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go for this option. We'd recommend this. And five years ago, oh, it's okay. We don't need it. Now they're like, yes, I do want that to last longer. You know, they're more bought into it, I think. And then I guess the other thing that follows on from people spending so much time in their own homes is that do we get bored in the same way that if you get up and put the same clothes on every day, you know, you're just bored out of your brains. Are people bored with their homes or are they wanting to hang on to their things longer? What do you think? Well, I think we've seen really strong sales across all of our home accessory categories. So um, cushions, bed linen, um, easy changes, yeah, easy change rugs, <laughs> everything, all the sort of soft furnishings have seen really, really strong sales in the last sort of 18 months, really. So I think people, there is an appetite to update our spaces. We're in them so much. So people do want to sort of, you know, like you would an outfit, you know, and all that sort of money you're saving on clothes, perhaps, you know, we can spend a bit more on. And also maybe you weren't, you know, you never really liked the cushions before, but you were also out of your house so time. much. It you didn't could really tolerate bother you when you remember <laughs> on a Thursday night, you didn't like the cushions, it was fine. But when you remember it every morning, you're going to say, I'm actually going to do something about that now. Yes. And potentially someone's going to see them on Zoom as well, so it's fine. Yeah. It's worth justifies doing it. Justifies the spend. <laughs> yeah, it justifies the spend, absolutely. I wonder, in that search for space, are you seeing people turning outside spaces into home offices? For example, are they transforming sheds into home office spaces? I think that's um, the graphs of that, um, you know, garden shed come office, I think. You know, that definitely has been evolving, you know, before that and people are, you know, leaning into that definitely a lot more. Um, I think probably the, the outdoor spaces come into play much more with regards to the post-work hours, however, um, and perhaps, you know, it's interesting to see what will happen over this summer where, you know, after a busy day, perhaps the default is to go and sit and relax on your sofa and actually will people just embrace the outdoors um, more so and have that investment with regards to having, you know, sort of their um, outdoor, you know, um, sofas and lounging, the rugs, the lighting, and, and really invest that rather than it just being you know suitable seating tick box and that's where it starts and ends although the danger of course is that that could be one of the sales blips because last summer we had the best summer that's ever that's what i was going to say so everyone thought they wanted to live outside exactly this, but may, this, this, this may not you know so you'd much. have drowned <laughs> no, <outside. laughs> no. yeah. but i think that entertaining at home in our gardens is something that's really um it, that's been a big area of sales yes. for us so I think going forward, that's still going to be really important because... Was that I, happening already, though? I mean, outdoor's a really strong area for our business. Uh, so we, And it, it is kind of seasonal, as you said, um, last summer was brilliant. So that really reflects in the sales. But, I mean, more so this year, definitely. And it, it's, it extended to all of those other accessories, like outdoor heating. Yeah. Um, and I think, as yeah. you said, perhaps, you know, the, one of the key words in that is the entertaining. Yes. There's the when, you know, you're, you know, looking at a solution just for you and your family, but when it's the theatre of hosting and, you know, mm. both internally, you know, with regards to indoors, we saw, you know, people absolutely explore much more our tabletop assortment and serving platters and different types of, um, you know, glassware, which when we look at um, our sister company, Waitrose, and seeing, you know, let's say a, a lot more exploration in the different types of alcohol that's available and you know cocktail making so it, it maps back into that um, so I think definitely sort of you know hosting and entertaining
cleaning and the, the theatre and the, the at-home restaurant, you know, came into play a lot more. And I, I do think that, you know, will, you know, carry on through and both indoors and outdoors. With so that. is entertaining at home a trend that transcends pandemic? Because, of course, we weren't entertaining in our homes during pandemic. And I'm thinking if you go back sort of 20 years when people routinely, people as old as me, routinely threw dinner parties. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, nobody's thrown a dinner party for a couple of decades. Yeah. Is it coming back? Well, I think that's what's going to be, I'm really curious to see, because I think we, we're all, uh, you know, we, we know that there's going to be some trends that, um, or some, you know, habits, let's say, that will just default as they have before. And there's others that are here to stay. And I think with regards to the well-being, the home gyms, then I definitely think that will evolve. And I think this as well is another one, you know, it, it, and both of them play into this wellness of being together and sharing, you know, a meal. There's something yeah, I mean, you know, quite enriching about yeah, that. And you strip everything back. Mm. I and mean, in the end, if you, if what we missed during the pandemic was people, you can have people in your home now. So do you need to be going out to a restaurant? Was it the restaurant you missed or was it actually the company? Mm -hmm. And therefore you can have it back in your home and maybe the pennies finally drop for us all. I mean, we all know that, yeah. but we still go out for dinner. But maybe now, yeah. you, know, we, you have it at home. We absolutely think entertaining at home is a really important yeah. um, area to sort of be aware. We're working with that, looking, looking forward. Because we sort of talk about this time of optimism that's going to come now, where people are really wanting to connect with their friends and family and spend all this time together. And we think, we really see that happening And if in people home. are working from home more, you know, if you're not going into London to the office, do you want to be meeting someone in London at 7 p.m.? But also or, you buy, you know, you you buy back, to. you're buying potentially back two hours a day of your commute time. Exactly. So but you can host someone. Exactly. You can prepare you dinner because you're in your house already. Yeah. So. And also this idea of sort of being hyper-local as well now. Yeah. That's another yeah. thing we've really seen in the research. Um, Do you find hyper-local? So um, people having this sort of 15-minute radius to where they live because people stopped traveling and, and realized they didn't want to. Realized they didn't need to. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you just have this radius around you that you really realize you can get their and local you can, area yeah. more than ever. And, and it connects you with that community and that community connection. Lots of ideas around, yeah, living more locally, I think is really something that we've seen really inform some of our future research, some of our future thinking around product. From an interior design perspective, does that mean that you're sourcing more from local craftsmen who might be more local to your clients? I think clients are more aware of what's available locally to them, I would say, in the last 12 months, certainly. Um, even with things being shut, people, whether it's clients have just taken a general interest in where their things are coming from, I mean, it could be as simple as that, whereas previously, Everyone was very busy. People just wanted things. And really, there was only the very discerning client that was very concerned where it had come from, we, we found. Whereas now, they take a much bigger interest in where things are from. Mm -hmm. And the things that we always push before suddenly kind of seem to reverberate more. People are more interested in if they're local, or if they're British, or if they're, yeah. you know, where they're made and how they're made. Yeah. All of those, I think, well, pack together. We've definitely seen that with regards yeah. to our customers, including interior designers. You know, we're really fortunate that we have our own mill that's based in Lancashire. Was it last year, Sarah, that we launched our eco mattress, which mm -hmm. is again made here in the UK um, from a carbon neutral factory? I think certainly the pandemic has yeah. really encouraged the buy British. Yeah. Clients can understand not only it's good to buy British because we're in Britain, but in terms of supply and everything else, 
you know, there were months when you couldn't get anything. Well, I, I think that's slightly Brexit-driven too. It is slightly Brexit. I, I would agree it's slightly Brexit-driven. It's like the perfect storm of just availability. Mm -hmm. Are interior designers getting more involved in designing garden spaces than they were before the pandemic? We've all, my practice, we've always done garden spaces for right. people because yeah. we treat it as an extension as of the their extension. living space. Yeah. And so we would plan it. I mean, again, I'm not a plants person, so I wouldn't ever presume to do the planting, but we will do the hard landscaping right. always yeah. and, and the patio area and the decking and the barbecue area and the outdoor kitchen and whatever else mm. they might be after and then get a, a plants person to come and actually do the planting. To come and do it. Yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, so I suppose we did. Yeah, we've done terraces and barbecue areas maybe it's just more we get asked more now and and it seems rather than an extra so before it might be focus on the house let's do this now it's very much this needs to be done is it so it's more of a fluid transition yeah, as well I'd say so yeah. I think so and I think you know you were talking earlier about how people are using that garden space I also think with everyone working inside like you're not really going to have a zoom meeting in your garden maybe you are probably you're not going to get any internet that works there <laughs> people then don't actually necessarily want to be spending their evenings in the same space that they've been working in so if they can get outside to their gardens they're they're more keen to than they were before whereas before they'd come from the office into their homes they're happy yes, to sit I, on the I think sofa. I think really people just they just see it as an extension of their yeah. living space mm, so yeah, they'll think if they're thinking living room they're thinking garden at the same time it's no longer the afterthought mm. absolutely yeah that's exactly it Apart from the move away from open plan living, have there any other trends that you guys have been observing? Um, it's been really interesting to hear about all the different trends from the various different buying teams. Um, and with regards to some of our bedroom furniture, we've definitely seen an uptake in, um, in our bunk beds. Our siblings are thrown in together um, and their, one of their bedrooms turns into um, a home office. So I think it is interesting as beyond you know, the open plan living, seeing how they are and our customers are looking at repurposing different rooms into Entirely. I can see that wellness and awareness of mental health will be an ongoing trend. How will that be visible in our homes? Uh, yes, I mean, wellness and um, has been a really big interiors trend over the last few years. And I think where we were talking about it in sort of through the lens of like Mary Kondo and her organisation, Tidy Home, Tidy Mind type um, sort of a way of looking at it. I think the, kind, the conversation has sort of broadened now a little bit more and what we're doing in the studio is really looking at how um, health and hygiene um, is really impacting how, how people feel safe and secure within their homes, you know, in light of the pandemic. So, you know, we're, we're looking at materials that have better health credentials. For example, copper is said to eliminate COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, it has these antibacterial um, properties. So thinking about these sort of in a quite a practical way, how can that influence um, material mm. choice, choices in some of our products, certainly in um, cook and dine and um, bar in our bath bathroom ranges as well. Yeah, so it's definitely broadened the conversation. Well, we're certainly specifying things like no-touch taps, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. have a PIR built in, and even no-touch soap dispensers mm -hmm. is yeah. another one so that you children can get a thing of soap and wash their hands without, without actually touching anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, simple things like that, I think, are, and these are all just great tools to make that space really work for those residents and um, individuals' preferences. But in terms of visually, how, you know, how does that wellness home look? Is it a colour palette or is it 
you know, is, are you seeing that biophilia is feeding into this? Absolutely. I mean, that's such a big um, trend as well. And I mean, that's probably less of a new trend, the biophilic um, references. But the whole sort of wellness, mindful, sanctuary type living space is, you know, we've always looked at that trend through the use of beautiful natural materials, patterns that are inspired by nature, all of that sort of aesthetic kind of... Um, there's, yeah, there's a clear aesthetic sort of feel to that. But I think from a practical side of things, you know, storage is still really important. Um, having a sort of well-organized home really helps affect people's sort of mental state as well in these spaces. So I think functionality is as yeah. important. Storage, storage, and I think clients storage, are more yeah. aware though, aren't they? Clients want, whereas before they wanted a nice space, now they're able to verbalize what they want in terms of, cushioning it in well-being you know I want a space that's good for me I, I like that and they may not have really identified that before even though they would have liked it they wouldn't necessarily come straight out and say bringing nature within the home is a really big trend and I think it does feed into the wellness conversation I think it's quite interesting to see how that can translate though because like wellness uh, can mean different things to different people and to get to that you know points that can be utilized in different tools so you know when we're talking about different environment then you know as you were saying is it harnessing you know really beautiful sort of raw materials in quite a clean functional aesthetic or actually where we've seen in the last sort of few few seasons and a continual trend for us is around this reference to heritage prints and archive materials which very much leans into the botanical and actually that reference to you know the, the past and creating much more you know colorful mm. much more expressive than actually is that a different way of nurturing um, you know, the resident. And so, just colour yeah. in general, isn't yeah. it? Well, yeah. colours are you know, it's a massive yeah. tool. It's a and huge impact yeah. on people's well-being. Yeah, you know? it has sort and of psychological. forever. Mm. But maybe now clients are working out, or homeowners, you know, everyone lives in a house, they've worked out that, you know, these things ha do impact their day-to-day -day living. Absolutely. Does that, does that feed into what you're seeing on the, on the shop floor? Because I think a lot of people in this country particularly have been a bit frightened of colour historically. Mm. Are they getting braver? I think so. Yeah, I think our customers yeah. definitely are getting braver with colour. Yeah. And there is a huge trend for that. And I think that's something that sort of came also probably, you know, we saw the sort of this kind of interesting colour really coincide with the time, you know, Instagram started to play a part and people started sharing their interiors. It gives people permission, doesn't it? I yeah. Think, you know, and where... I mean, what looks great on a, on a, on a phone screen. You can't necessarily live with. Well... <laughs> But at the same time, I think it is, it's influencing people's choices, though. Definitely. Yeah, it does. It's interesting to see how colour does sell. But it, it, I mean, and actually, ochre is one of our really strong sellers. Ochre <laughs> and mustard. Yeah, some mustard. Really yeah. So that's, we, we can't keep it. Yeah, we can't <laughs> stop <laughs> customers buying that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, where we saw, you know, a few years, five years ago, grey was kind of what everyone wanted yeah. and our sales on grey sort of furnishing accessories and upholstery and everything 
was, um, you know, that's all everyone want. They were our best sellers, but actually now really we're seeing color. That's yeah. Nice. And, and we, I remember when we featured um, a like, you know, very vibrant orange sofa in one of our um, TV adverts and, you know, the sales, you know, the week after, again, just sort of showcasing how yeah. that can actually work in a real life, you know, living area. Yeah, so, we're seeing, like the velvet sofa that was yeah. in the yeah TV ad, but... Yeah. All, yeah, all of a sudden, people really want this. Um, but also, I think commitment. maybe because people are a little bit scared of colour, they are more likely to be drawn towards the trends. So they're more likely to take... A, they want know, to be dictated led to by the hand, yes, rather yes. than, you know, grey, well, maybe I can give grey a shot and see how it goes. But, oh, you now want me to go into colours, and I'm not really sure, well, what, what are the big boys saying? You know, what am I seeing out there? I'll go for that. And yeah. maybe... I don't know. But this is again where Instagram, uh, social media has an impact has a because if you're impact. following someone that's doing everything in ochre, then yes. that's, that's what, what you're going to do. do. Yes, exactly. And then you see it in the shops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're constantly bombarded with discussions surrounding the climate emergency. Are you seeing any home trends that are directly relating to this? Yes, absolutely. I mean, as, as I sort of mentioned, you know, one of our big things is sort of made to last um, with our products. But, um, well, in the studio, we really try and think about in, in terms of product design circularity, so sort of designing products that um, have, you know, a, a way it could be easily recycled at the end of the life. So a lot of that comes down to sort of material combinations within a product, um, how easy it can be, easily it can be disassembled, lots of sort of considerations around how, a, you know, a product is designed. That's sort of one of the ways we're thinking about um, sustainability within our team. So it is, we've got a collaboration launching with the fashion brand Mother of Pearl, which uh, she's a, Amy Powney is the designer there and she has a really amazing fashion collection we've worked with in women's wear, but we've just brought in her into the home um, team to sort of collaborate with us on a new range of uh, bed linen, cushions, quilts, um, eye masks, and all of the all of the fabrics are in more sustainable choices. Uh, so that being organic silk, cotton, tencel, recycled polyester. Um, it, that's what's being used in all the cushion pads and fillings. So it's a really gorgeous new collection. Very sort of minimal, pared back, in beautiful colours. But I encourage you to check that out. That will hit the stores next month in June. Excellent. Yeah. Amazing. So the phrase continuing casualization what sort of behaviors are we referring to when we think about this and what do John Lewis mean yeah absolutely I think this can be interpreted in many ways for different individuals but effectively it's a shift away from the formal um, in fashion we see this with embracing of trainers to accompany tailoring um, and in homes it can be proudly displaying books or tableware or treasured items that were once hidden away in a sideboard um, that had a matching dinner table or coffee table um, it could be said that that we're letting our guard down a little bit, um, embracing who we truly are um, and happy to share that. Um, however, many enjoy the perhaps the considered curation of this, for example, the Instagram-worthy desk and carefully selecting items that they feel best represent them. And then the other thing that was mentioned was lifestyle agility. So we had, we had continuing casualization and then lifestyle agility. So talk to me about lifestyle agility. 
So I think with people's lives and how they spend their time has always been changing. But at the start of 2020, with the pandemic, we, we effectively just pressed the fast forward button. Um, many evolving habits um, played out sooner um, and in more households than we perhaps would have expected. Um, working from home, educating from home, exercising from home, you know, our lifestyle flexed, became more agile. Um, and it will be really interesting to see how this plays out, what is here for good um, and what now will feel will feel more confident to challenge. Or whether people just settle back into their yeah. earlier yeah. patterns. And I think we're going to get a combination of, yeah. of that. Mm. What do you think is the role of the residential interior designer in all of this? I think in general, clients are moving more towards accepting they might want an interior designer and want to use an interior designer but it being a collaboration so we get a lot whereas I mean even I'd say in the last two to three years clients who wouldn't have approached us before will now approach us and say I'd like some help from an interior designer they've got quite more than just fixed ideas on a look they've got fixed ideas on what they want and how they want things and I think our role is to then take what they want with a more kind of laser focus and really apply it outwardly in a different way than we used to get approached by someone who say, just do it, it's fine, I don't mind, whatever, just give me the bill at the end. Do you? But I think that it's a bit more than that. I actually think the role of the interior designer is going to evolve and become much more that of an advice giver. An ex expert so, so that you yeah. are, that you know, that somebody comes to you and they know what they need now, but you're the one that's saying to them, but have, have you thought? thought about, you know, what yes. happens in three years time when mm -hmm. oldest child goes to secondary school? What happens if, yes. you know, how are we going to manage this situation yes. for you over yeah. the next five, 10, 15, 20 years? Can you pick me a table? Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's yeah. that balance of advice and education, mm. um, especially, for example, mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about sustainability that, that you know, there's, there's so much to learn, you yeah. know, from that with regards yeah, to, is. you know, raw materials to people in the supply chain and, you know, where that sort of comes to play in. Um, and I think the thing that I'm always quite interested is the vocabulary that's used um, and perhaps, you know, the throwaway sort of, you know, titles and comments and actually, you know, people's different interpretation of, yeah. you know, the words contemporary or and those reference points and it, how you te how you test different. them with your clients. Yeah, it is different with clients, and I think, but I think you know the day of the interior designer specking and supplying FF&E is it's a hard place to find yourself in from an interior design perspective because you know the internet has has blown the lid off that and Instagram has blown the lid off that because people can source pretty much anything they want from a picture and they can find it. So we need to be offering more than just no, it's, buy it's, this it's table. The skill it's, and the experience it, the of, making of it, it, making the lifestyle make work, work around those things. Exactly, and I think that's, there is still a massive role there for experts, for people that are surrounded by it day in, day out, you know. And that's where I think interior designers need to place themselves to, to move through that. That's where you need to be every day, someone that knows what they're talking about. <laughs> It certainly feels that living at home is more complex than it used to be and you need professional help to figure it out. To, to run the gauntlet. Without question. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah, I would say, I would say so from, from every level, from almost from the you know, building, to building design through as well. I think people appreciate more now that the interior designer, which perhaps was left to the end now, we're really making the point and they are understanding that we actually need to be there when the lights go in, when first, before first fix, so we know where the lights go. And that will not change. If anything, that will get more focused, I think. 
moving forwards. Thank you so much, Suzanne and Sarah, for those insights. It's just been the most fantastic and fascinating discussion. I just feel we could have gone on all afternoon. And thank you to Verity for bringing the most fantastic, clear industry perspective onto the discussion. Oh, thank you. It's fascinating, absolutely amazing. Truly a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing those insights with us today. I can't wait to see what the future holds. We'd like to thank John Lewis and Partners for hosting us here at Peter Jones today and for their continuing support. You can find out more about their service for interior designers, stylists, home stagers and developers at johnlewis.com forward slash business. We'd also like to show our support for series partners, Parkside Architectural Tiles. You can find out more about Parkside at parkside.co.uk. Finally, do follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Interior Design Business Pod and on LinkedIn at the Interior Design Business Podcast. This episode of the Interior Design Business is a Wildwood production.